Hello, welcome back to the Tough Rugby Podcast. And please tune in. We've got the two usuals in the studio, Harvey and Zach. How are you boys as we now get closer and closer to some Six Nations rugby? It's good just uh it's just good to have it back, you know, especially after the two weeks out of Premiership rugby. I know there was a wee bit of Pro 14 action, but it's just good to have a good standard of rugby on the TV again. I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Nearly there. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's good to see good to see it going ahead and good to see what hopefully will be a very competitive Six Nations. They're still waiting on the French to confirm. Um, can you travel over there? But other than that, it's still going ahead. So I think that's the right thing to do. Just make go ahead. And if they don't if they don't allow people over, then just dock the points off them. Take the five points. Happy. Yeah. Um, we'll start then. As like you said, there's a bit of Pro 14 action. The biggest game of the weekend was Munster Leinster, due to the fact a lot of people said this was the final Irish trial. A final time to show what you can do for Andy Farrell. A lot of talk was around Gavin Coombs, young back rower for Munster who was pushing his way into the Ireland squad, but Rhys Ruddock just showed his class and yeah. got, his way, got his way back into the squad. Um, did anyone else stand out for you, Zach, or did anyone play their way out of an Ireland squad in that game? Um, in terms of playing their way out, I think JJ Hannan has no hope of ever sniffing a green jersey ever again. Like, just, um, like, we were chatting about before we came on, his time's up. You know what I mean? Like, his time is up. you got to be playing Casey now, I think. Or not Casey, sorry, Healy from now on. You know what I mean? Um, also, Laura with the try at the end, I don't know, that kind of, especially with Stockdale being out and him kind of coming back in, Gary Ringrose as well. Obviously, it's great more just in terms of an Irish perspective, seeing those sort of players getting back into form, bit of competition, I think, back in the in the Ireland side, especially in the centre partnerships, when Bundy Aggie, Chris Farrell, and now you've got Ring Rose coming back in, back three thought, with Armour and Yeah, I thought stuff, Robbie, so. Robbie Henshaw was outstanding. Really, yep. it's the best form I've seen Robbie Henshaw in, and he's one of those players that you do get frustrated with, but when he's fully fit and firing, a bit like Amani Tuolangi, he is first choice, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if, to be honest, that game just proves. I think it'll probably start with a Leinster partnership. I think Henshaw Ringrose for me, that's 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 who gets the start. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny that it is that kind of we chatted about. It, I think on the last part, it is just that trial match, isn't it? You know, and, and how fair yeah. is it though that if, for example, Gavin Coombs was playing for Leinster, he might have got the edge there. Sometimes, if you're on the better side, you usually get the rub of the green with those 50-50 goals. Yeah. Yeah, like to be honest, it just kind of it just sums up. That probably sums up Irish rugby in some sense. You know, if you do play in a blue jersey, doesn't matter if you the boy opposite you in a red jersey is better than you or is playing better rugby than you. It just seems to kind of go your way. Um, and Leinster are just an absolute winning machine. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot more kind of in the near future, some other Leinster players, some younger players, like of Frawley and stuff like that, kind of coming through the ranks. I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Good rugby players, don't get me wrong, but I think out of the four provinces, there is better options, but it's just because Leinster just have that winning mentality. Like, would you, do you think, um, so this is a question to you, do you think then that sort of winning mentality, bringing that into an international squad, does that kind of raise the level of competition? Does it, transfer over like what what do you think i think i think it can go like one or two ways i think there's positives to it because obviously there's a lot of similarity in the squad 
So when you've got like a spine of Leinster players, for example, they're obviously the connection and the chemistry between them is going to be probably bigger than you would have if it was kind of a mismatch of the four provinces. But then I don't know. I've, there's also a part of me that thinks it's also a negative in a way because, because they are so used to winning, but they're so used to winning in the pro 14 or in the champions cup international rugby is a different beast so you've got that level of familiarity because you're around players that you constantly play with but you're playing against a whole another beast and mm. sometimes i think that could be a disadvantage for all for very island because they're not quite as prepared for they you know part of them i think are partially confused by the fact they think they're in a lens the top still and they think they could just roll people and that's not what international rugby is about and i think that's yeah. part of it that kind of holds them back i think it's what holds ireland back in this in a slight mm. sense Interesting. So you're saying that Leinster's success kind of pulls Ireland down a bit? Yeah, I think there's 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 over overconfident like confidence is good. Obviously, confidence is key, but overconfidence and complacency can sometimes I don't know. I see Ireland sometimes going into games not quite with the bite that I would like to see or the bite that you need mm. at, an, at an international level. Um, I don't know. That's uh, that's why that's the way I see it. And you just look at that yeah. back six, that back six for Ireland, for Leinster there in their lineup, and it's just, you know, bar a couple of players, it's it's green, it's literally green. I don't think um, 2018 helped as well, like the likes of, you know, James Ryan and <clears throat> Jacob Stockdale and Andrew Porter when those boys and Larmer, those boys first started to play for Ireland um, and they won basically every single game they played for Ireland, beat the All Blacks and stuff. So they basically started a professional career Thing. like there was that unbelievable start that James Ryan didn't lose <laughs> yeah it's amazing for, for ages and then now they're realizing they're right this isn't actually easy and they've had a few tough Six Nations campaigns and a few big Leinster games that they lost but I do think the mentality does go across you see England play the Saracen spine just to have that mentality and I think that's the reason why you're seeing the likes of Elliot Daly and stuff in the leadership group because they are from the side. Do you think in the near future, I think the spine, you, you definitely need the spine, you know, England shows that, um, Ireland shows it as well. Do you ever think the Irish spine will turn to red? Do you ever think they'll get a monster spine in the next couple of years? Maybe well, five, it cycles. Five years? It cycles like you had it with Stringer O'Gara um, in that yeah. era where Monster yeah. dominated and won two European Cups. Um, you had most of, the, most of the pack in 09 was from Monster. You have your, it will be white one day, it will be, but it's just, it's just when. Um, that was back in like Willie Joel McBride's era. That's what it was last white. <laughs> you know, back the way, in the 70s. Like... The way though it's going to go where we want, which is Casey and Harry Byrne, which what we see would be it's similar to what we have one. now, where you have a, a red nine and a blue 10. But outside of that, I still think all the Leinster youth players are better than the likes of um, Monster. I know Monster have a few good themselves, but still Leinster just on another level with their production coming from the school system and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's going to continue to be next. blue until yeah you do that little bit extra. That's the thing. Like it is, it's just next level. Like because. You just obviously we don't want to focus on this too much. We want to get on, but you talk about the school system in terms of Leinster. Like a lot of the Belfast schools in Ulster will send their first fifteen down to Dublin or wherever to play Clongos or Blackrock or something, and get absolutely walloped. Yet they're basically stuffing any team up here. So if you, if the best of the best in Ulster and probably Munster too, let's be serious, 
are getting thumped by Leinster teams. And it just, yeah, it just shows the superiority. Like, it's a superiority. But the game itself, Monster were superior. Monster dominated yeah. that game. And a big moment was just before half time where Hanrahan had that kick that would have put them 10 points clear. Instead, it came off the post. Um, Leinster then end up getting a penalty. Johnny Sexton doesn't just kick it out. He goes goes for the touch, gets another penalty, which is kickable, and gets it over and closes it to, like, what was it then? Four points or something, I think. Four points at halftime rather than... So that's a six-point swing, yeah. which shows how great Johnny Sexton's captaincy is to have mm. the cojones just, just well, to yeah, not yeah. kick it straight out. And it shows a different well, mentality. Shows the class difference as well, because... You saw Hanrahan then have a penalty early on in the second half and just whiffed it from even closer than where Sexton had it going in the same direction as him. And you could just, there's the ability edge right there. And men- mentally for your side, that just that sends shockwaves through your entire side. You have to be more than a score ahead going into the last 10. You've seen it in the one that heartbreaks me the most was that European quarterfinal where Ulster were just ahead, but you need to be, you need to be more than a score ahead in the last 10 minutes because they will points. Another man we need to give credit to is Ross Byrne with a bit of absolute brilliance. That, that grubber. Yeah. I know, but I know. If, credit, Finn Russell credit did that, if Finn Russell did that grubber, that's all over Twitter. It, yeah. But it wasn't Finn Russell, was it? It's Ross Byrne just showing a bit of brilliance. First time in a while. I, yeah, credit where credit, credit's due. But like, I mean, I don't know. Need to move on here. <laughs> let him play Leinster for the rest of his days and let his younger bro kind of take over. Do you think hey, it's just 12, the, maybe 10, 12 set up in Ireland? Do you think it's just the classic <laughs> Ross Byrne in terms of he's just a Leinster man? And he'll always yeah, look, he's just Leinster. he's a Leinster, he's a Leinster man. That's just it. You know what I mean? In the same way that I don't know. Actually, I can't think of any off the top of my head, any other examples. I'm sure there's a few Ulster players. They're just Ulster players, you know what I mean? They're just not they just don't really click at Irish level, you know what I mean? Darren Keith. Shoe McCluskey, but if it, and later years. If 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 the way the league keeps going, we might have a mother another um, Leinster monster game in the final. If Ulster can't get in the mix, and we'll they'll have another crack at them, and I'll let them do it again. But if they lose the final again, then it's just it's always going to be Leinster. But I think the gap's slowly closing. But in the big moments, Leinster will always come through. I guess that leads us on nicely to some players that stood out and got in the squad. We said there about Reese Ruddock. Uh, and from the monster side, Craig Casey's in there. Looks like he's going to earn, earn his first cap. And we've we've talked about Craig Casey numerous times in this podcast because we know our ruggers. We knew this kid's decent. He was coming through. You heard it here first. So I'm saying, not Brian Driscoll. He played for Monster. Like watching him at under twenties, he's he's just he's got more than just his playing ability. He's got a bit of bite. He's got a bit of passion, tenacity, and It'd be interesting to see if he does end up forcing his way into a 23, but it looks like they might just go Murray Gibson Park for an eye. Definitely like, is a future option though, isn't he? Definitely a project. He's definitely bringing him in now, you know what I mean? Like he's, he is a great player, 21 years old. Like he's so young. You know, like it's just, for now, it's getting him in that setup, getting him used to it, getting used to the intensity of training and stuff like that, giving him, you know, a run out with twenty minutes to go against Italy or something like that. But um, it's great. It's just, it's. I'm so happy to finally see him in. Now we just need Harry Byrne, and uh, we can 
get on with the future. Matt, of we, we have to be patient with Harry Byrne. Like he has to be playing for Leinster. Sexton has to retire before Harry Byrne gets in internationally. I think. Yeah. But you've seen Ross playing at thirteen and twelve, so I do think they're thinking long term. Harry's going to be Leinster ten. Yeah, but it's no. great for Casey, and I think Casey's played more rugby than Harry Byrne at a higher level, so it's fair enough that he is in. Yep. And fair. there's only another, there's only one other new player in the squad, and that's Tom O'Toole, the Ulster prop, twenty-two, fairly deserved as well. Yeah, fairly deserved. Like we were chatting, Telf just he's just the wrong rings around us, and at schoolboy level, like he just sit on the wing as a prop, <laughs> he just sit on the wing, and you give him the ball, and you couldn't tackle him. Like he this is probably like he, first fifteen level. He goose stepped me. Uh, yeah, he just he just done us all like he just he just uh but he's no, fully deserved. Of, he's lost that bit of speed though. He's a bit more bulked up, chunked up now. Yeah, proper. No, he looks like an international prop. Yeah, he does, and he's you gotta remember like he's only what twenty two. Like he's our year. Like it's you know future bright in that regards. I think as well. Also, I think Stuart McCluskey. It's great to see still him still in the squad. I know that he is. We. You know, he's kind of like just he's just an Ulster player, isn't he? But I'd like to see Stuart McCluskey a bit more as a unbiased opinion. Um, I'd like to see him play against Italy, maybe off the bench. Just like he deserves a few more caps for the amount of work he puts does. in. But I think you know, elephant in the room is the fact that John Cooney is not in the Irish squad. Is for me an absolute joke. You know, we talk about obviously Casey is Casey's the future. I get that. I get he's the future, but John Cooney is probably on form, one of the best, if not the best, Irish nine at the moment. I'm I'm, I'm willing to make that statement because I, I think um, it's I think it's true. I do think Conor Murray still first choice. He played really well. It's the best game I've seen Murray play against Leinster. Really stepped up, I, but it's Gibson Park. Like, it's Gibson Park for me. That needs. It's just makes Mark's only because he's younger than him. It's no. It's just because he's a blue jersey. That's it's all. Like it is, what we like. spoke about a couple of weeks ago, though, with the fact that he's the project, isn't he? They put so much effort and resources into him. And I know, like sunk costs and everything, but hey, that's your guys' fault for having a centrally contracted system where they pick and decide these players four years in advance. And unfortunately, Cooney was just never in the setup, and he's got to that point now where it's like. Like a Jamie Vardy, he's just yeah, he's decent, but he's not really in the project. So see you later. I like that comparison, though. I do think that that's true. Yeah, I hope, I hope he just sees himself now and just says, you know what, Ulster's my club. I'm not go right. I'm going to cash in, play for. Rassel. I'm going to go play for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be funny. But naturally, he's got that type of personality where he does just play rugby, which maybe Andy Farrell doesn't like. Yeah, I, to be honest, there has to be, for me, there has to be something going on maybe behind the scenes. Maybe they just don't get on. I, I, I do get the whole project argument, Harvey. I just think there has to be something more. Yeah. Like, if anything, you bring Casey in as a development player and just have him in the squad and then you have Cooney in there, you know, like there's there's got to be something else going on because he is just... Like I said, maybe their yeah. personalities just don't match. Maybe he just... Yeah. Doesn't come across don't. as a troublemaker. An interview, even like stuff. even Eddie O'Sullivan's come out and said like how it's basically a joke that Cooney got picked and there must be something else going on. You know I mean, even Brian O'Driscoll came out and said as well that a lot of a lot of people don't see training and training is such a big thing. He says Keith Earls is the best trainer he's ever played with. So when people, all the general public are like, "Why is Keith Earls starting? He's over the moon." O'Driscoll always will say, "Nah, Keith Earls trains and ring, run rings around everyone every week." So maybe Cooney just 
it just, just turns up on a Saturday. But by but the way his career's gone in terms of you know not making that Leinster, not making that Connet, but making that Ulster, he's got like a great determination. He works yeah. hard, relentless. Just doesn't add up. And I can't wait until he's retired and he comes on the pod and opens up about it. Smiley <laughs> chat. Um, I think one more shout out, probably Taj Furlong's back. Hasn't played a lot of rugby in a while, but it's good to see him back in. You know, he is Lions prop. They've said still, they, one, still one of the best, isn't he? Still he is one of the just best. unbelievable. Like, they said they might move Andrew Porter to the other side now and potentially play Porter at one. And because Porter started off as a one and then moved across to three because he couldn't get in in front of Keane Healy and Jack McGrath, but he was really good, obviously. So to have that option to play both sides, I think will help Andrew Porter because he's been we've tipped him for the Lions. Like he's yeah. very, he just needs to um, find a way to get in. But Keely and Furlong, it's so hard to get in there. But I know Furlong. A lot of people think he's older than he is. He's still very. I think he's yeah, he's still young. Like twenty years. He looks old, but he's young. But I think Healy, he's, only, he's still only had twenty five caps for uh, for Ireland. Really? Furlong. You He's not like, actually played that lot, considering Cooney's at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Mike That's Ross uh, Mike Ross dominated that free jersey for a while. He had yeah, to do his apprenticeship, did. like we always say with the front row. You have to do your apprenticeship. Tom O'Toole's doing his apprenticeship, but that's why I think they can see Tom O'Toole coming through, and they're like, "We need to find a place for Porter." And because Keane Healy obviously is at the towards the end of his career, maybe they're thinking, "Play Porter one." Bring in yeah. What about um? What what are your guys' opinions on someone who potentially has skipped their apprenticeship? Uh, Ronan Kelleher, still in the still still in the squad. I don't know how he get. <laughs> right. I don't know how he gets picked when he when <laughs> Sean Cronin's now starting over him at Leinster. Sean Cronin's oh. back, Billy. Oh man, like, hasn't worked out for Kelleher. It really hasn't. He's not. He was supposed to just take that jersey. He was Harvey, you, were, you, were, you were saying he's going to play for the Lions. He was going to be on yeah. the Six Nations. He just. It's just such a shame. But, yeah, I think I can't see any way Herring won't start. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, looking, I was looking at the squad list here, and I was like, why the flip is for Rob Herring? But he's there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get worried. Yeah, right, Rob Herring starts, you know, Rob Herring for the Lions. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's not, it's not out of the question. It's actually, I laugh. If, if, no, if, you go win the, if you go and win the slam, the Six Nations, and he's like at the forefront of it, that's it. Like and he, he might not start, but he might be. In, he definitely will be in the squad. If Ireland yeah. win the first game away at the Millennium. It is seriously on. Is it in the Millennium? Well, wow. or is it in like Parky Scarlets? It'll be Parky Scarlets, won't it? Because they still got a field hospital there, haven't they? Yeah, I've got um, I've got it on my calendar. You can, you can download on the Irish website, and it <laughs> kind of gives you up to date. It's great. It's at the and... Principality Stadium, apparently. Yeah, it says mm-hmm. Principality here on the fixture list. Yeah, well, there you go. But yeah, huge game for Ireland. Like such, but I like I, for me. I've always liked with Six Nations. I always prefer to have a big hard game first because if you win it, it sets you up. You win it and you I, get Italy, and then you start. And then you start chatting about slams. I remember Ireland's <laughs> first game oh nine at home to France, and at Croke Park smashed them and all of a sudden then went to Italy and because they were kind of riding with that same mentality and the same kind of match level thumped Italy like by 60 points and then all of a sudden it slams last minute dropping against France as well 
Yeah, it's the same thing, you know, a way to start, like, it's so sort of, that's how you win slams. When you have a big first game, you put down a marker. High risk, high reward. So I think this is another example for Ireland. Yeah, we'll get on to the England squad as well, but a slam is something that Eddie will want to put. He hasn't won a slam in a while, so... I'm going to stick it in the bag. Something that he will definitely be seeking. Um, Is there anyone... Who, oh, yeah, I was just going to finally say, Hugo Keenan looks like he's going to be Ireland's 15 for this um, Six Nations because he's played there for Leinster. Really, look really solid. His kicking game needs a bit of work. Bombs away on him and let him slice it into touch. But <laughs> it looks like I've been a bit harsh on Hugo Keenan. I openly was saying to Harvey, like trying to a half time of Leinster Monster, got a wee bit too excited when Ulster up against Leinster. And I said, Look, Mike Laurie's completely outplaying Hugh Keenan here. And then Hugh Keenan just turned it on. Hugh Keenan yeah. completely turned it on in the second half and showed he's an international player. And Looks like he'll be there, and Earls plus possibly James Lowe. Now that Stockdale's going to miss the first two games, that that's going to be like a Larmer or a Lowe. Yeah, I think I, I I've got a feeling that Lowe's not going to start. I think it's going to be Larmer. Yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Eventually, I'd, I'd go with that. I think Lowe needs to still learn a bit more about international rugby before he's throwing in. Mm. And it's good yeah. that Sogdale is not too bad because he needs to come back ASAP if he wants to play um, a big part in the Six Nations and the Lions, obviously. So hopefully it's sooner rather than later for Jacob and get to a sweet Italy game, a classic. Uh, playing against Italy. And it's good to see Billy Burns in there, really trying to push his way in. Might get run out against Italy as well. Yeah. Might get 30 minutes against Italy. Well, I, think, I think Billy's going to be the second choice, so he's going to be coming on most games. Hmm? Interesting. Very interesting. But I suppose if we want to move on England squad next, Harvey, you can what's for you, what's the what's the picks? What's the standout? What's the <clears throat> unsure? What what's your actually before we start, what's your, what's your thoughts on this whole like shadow? That's what squad I was gonna say. I crack? think we need to we need to comment on um the shadow Jonathan squad, jo- and we Jonathan, need to comment Jonathan on. Jonathan Joseph is going to be delighted. Jonathan Joseph in the shadow squad. It's everything he ever wanted to be. That's the one squad, Jonathan Joseph. <laughs> he wanted to be a shadow squad player for England, and he's going to be delighted. That next to Joe Marchant. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Um, I don't know. I, 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 what? You're not picked. That's what the shadow squad is. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is it like <laughs> they're out there training with them, aren't they? And they're part of the bubble, but you're not actually going to play. So my question is then, does that affect team morale? If you have any big... Well, it looks like a lot of them... So obviously, Ali Costell, Charlie Atkinson, George Martin, Alex Mitchell, Jacob Umanga, and Joe Hayes are all uncapped. So it's going to be positive, positive, positive for them. It has to be. Because it's like, you, you know, you're in the England setup and you are doing England-type things. And we've seen the videos. Like, everyone loves the videos. It does look like a good bit of crack, even if you are in a bubble. Um... So I think it'll be good for them. Uh, Johnny Joseph would then I would take it, like, but <laughs> <laughs> you'll find out he'll be withdrawn in like two days. But um, fifty-four caps, like, whew. there was a yeah. whole thing about can they play for the clubs if they're in a shadow squad? There's Eddie needs to kind of. Well, it looks like might... if they're going to be part of a bubble, they can't because the whole point of a bubble is you're in isolation with each other and you don't go anywhere else. So, because I'm assuming the shadow squad aren't just going to be able to not be in the bubble. It makes no sense because if you're going to be training with them and eating with them and everything else and probably living with them. So I'm assuming they're in it as much as the, the actual announced squad. 
And is there anyone? I'm assuming it's just like the development players that Ireland have. Is there anyone in the shadow squad? But that's why I don't think they're development players because you've got the likes of Jonathan Joseph, Furbank, all people have been capped before. Like you know, you don't need development if you've been capped. Um, who in the shadow squad do you think is unlucky not to be in the squad? Obviously, Jack Wells is now called up into the squad, but yeah. anyone else? He would have been. He would have been mentioned, obviously. Um, I think Furbank will be frustrated by the fact he's not in the squad. Um, considering he's been playing regularly and obviously he has had a few starts for England previously. But then due to his performances when he was in the Red Roses top, I don't know. Um, in terms of other players out there, I'm not entirely sure. Charlie Ulls, probably slightly frustrated. No, he's played really well for... Uh, yeah. No, um, Exeter. Because he... Years- this is what I'm wondering. Is, is Charlie Ulls going to go in? Oh, Bob, sorry. My, my question is here... If, if Launchbury and Marler withdrew. Because if they're all part of a bubble, right? And if they're all together, does it actually matter who is in your X-Man squad per se? Or like, could anyone from the Shadow squad just get the nod? Say they have a really great training week, England are playing Italy or something. That's what I don't like, know. Because like, is there stipulations on it where they're actually not allowed to be picked unless there's an injury or withdrawal from someone? Yeah. Are they ring fenced or are they just there as like, yeah. look, if you come out here and you're 10 out of 10 in every training session, you, you, you know, there's a chance. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's really like, it's just Eddie being Eddie and I'm like, just here, let's just be different. <laughs> and yeah. what I don't understand is there's no Simmons brothers again, again. Like, They're not even in the shadow squad. <laughs> yeah. But then I reckon Charlie Atkinson, there. Charlie Atkinson is in an 18 year old. Fly half. It's getting it's getting to the point now where I'm I'm thinking, I'm genuinely thinking that um, this has come from this has come from Exeter and not Eddie Jones, and it's actually it's Exeter making the decisions rather than like basically saying we don't want the Simmons brothers going to play for England. No, saying like if he's not going to be in the setup and he's not going to be starting, we want him at Exeter. Because he's more value to us than he is to you, sat in a shadow squad. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like he's easily getting in that shadow squad. Both of them are. They're getting in the lineup for Christ's sake. Well, they're getting in the squad. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely. Yeah, I mean, any Exeter player that's in there is looking to be in the match day squad. Harry Williams, um, Johnny Hill, and stuff. So I guess in that sense, yeah. But it's just. It is weird, though. It's really weird. I th- is it one of those a bit like John Cooney in the sense that is, it, it is there something well, going on behind, well be. behind doors that we don't know about? But I'm like, if Sam Underhill's injured and there's not a gap in the back row, surely at least... Pick Simmons in the shadow squad because Willis has gone up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's it's great. I understand Exeter, you know, haven't really been a bit of form recently, but at the same time, they're the best team in Europe, like... Best team in England. I don't know. I just think I at can this maybe point... see of Joe Simmons that Sam Simmons is the best number eight in England. Yeah, he is. Apart like, from a Philly is. fit Billy Vinopola, obviously he's better, but the Philly bit Philly fit Billy Vinopola is just hard to come by these days. You know what I mean? Like mm. I don't know. It's very bizarre. Like I just think it's very bizarre. Especially, do you really think Billy Vinopola is going to get the twenty twenty three? Yeah. Between like if you're 
Because I don't think Billy Vinopola could last five Six Nations games, let alone the twenty twenty three. No, I mean, I like this is the this is all the chat. The chat is always building for World Cups, and we're two years, two and a half years away now, give or take. You need to be really start to think about your squad, and that means having Sam well, Simmons in over. You know, what I mean? Billy's still quite young. Mako's on the older brother, so Mako's in his first years. Billy's still in his twenties, so. It's still a difference there, but I do know what you mean. It's just, but then you look at like like Mark Wilson for me is the one. Mark but Wilson. Mark Wilson's been like a he's he's old reliable Freddie Jones. When there's when there's injuries or when there's not a fully fit, like he is the man that comes in. Came on the semi final and the World and Cup. Always massive, puts, yeah. massive steal against the All Blacks. He always puts a shift in. Always puts a shift in. I know we use the reference, and you know what's coming out of my mouth, but um, we use it every single time we do a pod. But he is the James Milner, like he just is, mm, and he actually looks like yeah. it as well, which is a bit freaky. <laughs> like, that that just... needs to stop now because James Milner is now going down below. <laughs> no, solid. James Milner's forever in our memories, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's more of a it's, game album. It's one of those though where we look at Eddie, and this is what I always come to, and this why how I always summarize it. But it's like it's just Eddie's antics, and it's just. Eddie has his way, and if Eddie's going to have his way about certain things, sometimes you just got to put the trust in the man. And it's a, good, uh, it's a good blend, though. He's got a lot of good young players. What do you think of the the young cap boys that are in there? In the actual in the actual England squad, yeah, not the shadow yeah. squad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Well, Paolo Dogru's getting a hell of a lot of hype, isn't he? Looks explosive. That's uh, one that must be hard for Joseph, like. A, a youngster like that is just in ahead of him as well as all it'd be really nice to see him come on against or start against like an Italy and to go out there and Classic put on the show. do you know what I mean um, he's not going to be featuring again in the crunch games is he but it'd be nice to see yeah. he's 13 nice he's, thir- he's 13 and back free so he's played for Wolves and both in the centre and the back free so he's one of those versatile players which I always go on about that yeah. I absolutely love and, and Eddie's going to love squads. that as well Eddie's going to love that if, if he goes out there and proves a performance and doesn't look out of place that's gonna. That's only gonna benefit him because versatility is everything, like we said. And um, he's X factor proper X factor. You want to break a defense? That's the kind of player you need in that side. Uh, with regards to others, Beno Urbano, nice to see him in there. Solid player. Like I said, I don't know if he'll feature a ton, but you need loads of rotation in that front row and to have another option in there. And he looks like an absolute brick built. Insert word there because. He's just a monster. So it'd be nice to see him in there. See if he can get anything going. I think that's all for uncapped. Oh, you've got Harry Randall as well, obviously. Um, the big one. The big one. Harry Randall. I know you guys want to chat about his decision making. What do you think yeah. about it from a from a I, new well Ireland perspective? I think. I mean, you look at you look at that squad right there, and Ben Young's. You know, he he doesn't have a lot left in him. And Dan Robson's not young either. Um, and Dan Robson at times has been far superior to Ben Young's in terms of form. Um, and Eddie just hasn't picked them. Obviously, a lot has to do with what Eddie wants in a scrum half, but it also just shows the fact I just think he doesn't really, he just doesn't prefer Dan Robson in general. Yeah, um, tried the Willie Hines for a bit. Like he's always been looking for another. Yeah, he's always been looking for, for another scrum half, you know. So poor Dan. He's only got seven caps. Like. <laughs> mental but Harry Randall for me is he's a good player I watched him play against Exeter for the Bristol Bears and he's a good sharp quick scrum half 
Although he kind of reminds me a bit like Dan Robson, so I'm kind of like, I thought Eddie didn't like him, so it doesn't really make. He's not. He's not a Ben Youngs at all, but um, exciting young prospect. Personally, I would have chosen Wales. Um, just purely. Why though? I think I think there's a place for him though, but like you said, because because um, Ben Youngs is potentially coming to the end of his tether now. This is the perfect time to get in, have a couple of years, solidify that twenty-one role, and then take the nine as soon as Ben Youngs falls off the wagon, and then you know you've gonna you're gonna have a hell of a long career, hopefully. For me, he is a he is a TJ Paranara kind of like coming off the bench, a really impact nine. He's an impact nine, like he's an impact nine. TJ Paranara still that now in his prime, twenty years. (laughs) TJ was so unlucky. The fact Aaron Smith is literally two years older than him. Oh, but, yeah, they're just New Zealand have shown that you can you can have two good nines and you can roll for both of them in the squad. Yeah, yeah. So to be honest, yeah, like Harry Randall, like I hope he does well. He's a great player. But why would you pick yeah. Wales? Like, I don't know. Like, I just think, where's he? Where 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 was he born? Was he born in England? Does he qualify for Wales or does he qualify for England? How does it work? Judging by the name Harry Randall, I'd say he's English. Yeah, I know. Maybe, I know like, one of my I friends from um he's from he's from Slough in Berkshire, which is oh, well, towards okay. Wales, but it's England. Yeah. Um to be honest, actually you want to actually know I'll go back on that. Was it school that he went was in Wales? Was he at school in Wales? Because I know my friend from Liverpool Rugby knew him quite well and and they, he always said that he was talented and he's Welsh, like I know Welsh. And uh But I think it's he said part that, of it's come from his younger brother. Jake Randall, who is the Scarlet's youngest ever player. He played for Hartbury University. Right. Played for Hartbury University, which is in Gloucestershire, and then went to the Bears. So he's always been in the Bristol, Gloucester area, that sort of next to Wales, I mean, but yeah. England. I mean, it makes sense in terms of a lot of the time you see a lot of the Welsh players these days obviously are playing in Wales and just like they really want to play for the Dragons or the Ospreys. In fact, I'm I'm mistaken, mistaken, actually. Let me just go back on what I just said. I just read here. He moved to Aman Valley at age four in Wales and first played rugby at Tycros and then played for Clandove. He grew grew up in Wales and then came to England with Hartbury. Played played Wales under-16s. And then at 17... I think think they... Especially because rugby is the Welsh national sport. Yeah. It's It's very surprising that he's actually chosen England. I think a lot of it is to do with the club setup. Well, it's probably because he's gone to Hartbury College and University and then played for England 18s through them. And then Mm. Bristol Bears have just picked him up. And it's been like, well. So if he was going to, he would have to do, he would have, the way it works with the Welsh system is whatever contract, once you're capped, whatever contract you're in, you can stay within that contract. So, like, of Louis Rizama at Gloucester and stuff. They can stay at Gloucester, what contract they're in, but when that contract comes to an end, then they'll say, right, you need to move to the likes of Cardiff Blue, Scarlets, oh, and yeah. then all of them usually then move back. So maybe he just really is enjoying Bristol and there's rugby there and he wants to stay there for his whole career and that plays a Bristol, factor. Bristol really cultivating something special, quite similar to Exeter. Different style of rugby, but similar kind of, you know, coming up from the championship and really building something special. Pat Lamb's an amazing coach. Why would you not want to stay at Bristol? Especially if you're young, they're probably, I assume he'll sign a long-term deal at some point. Like, why would you not want to stay and play your rugby there? So, I mean, fair play to him. Like, Sounds he like said, he, really he said in his statement 50. right here, he said in his statement right here, I'd love to be called up, but my sole focus at the moment is playing for the Bears. 
Keep he loves the Bears. Him. If you love the Bears, the natural kind of outcome is play for England. Um, and you'll be a better player. So, so, so he kind of grew up in Wales. Was England? So he's, he's so this is how this is how it, <laughs> this is how it happens by the looks of things. His family, by heritage, are English, but they live in Wales. So he right. was born in England. His parents are English, like actually English. But then they moved to Wales when he was young. He grew up in Wales. They still live there, but he moved to Bears when he started playing rugby and became an adult and now lives in England. So his parents are still in Wales. Maybe. He lives in yeah. Gloucestershire. That's what kind of... All his friends are Welsh. Like... But you got to remember, like where he is in Bristol, he's literally like a 30-minute drive from like Swansea. Like he's not far. Like he's literally in Wales, effectively. So I mean, he's yeah. not far away anyway. you got to remember like... The family factor is a big one, especially if it's a big rugby family. Like, I'm sure we'll get on to Cameron Redpath, but, like, you know, his dad's Scottish Scottish captain, 60-odd caps. And, you know, he chooses Scotland over England. I mean, there's only one way that's happening, especially with Scotland, and that's the fact that the family factor and stuff, that plays a massive part. So, you know, I reckon he has a rugby-mad dad who is English and loves England. That would be... <laughs> and was probably, he, probably, he probably grew up supporting England in Six Nation matches and stuff like that. And, and if, he is, if, he is basing it, if he is basing it entirely off, I know we talk about the mix between integrity or success or whatever, you know, you look at the two setups right now and both of them have got 30-plus nines, Wales and England. Um, and... I, Wales are kind of in tatters at the moment with regards to coaching players, the future, of the you know, the trajectory and everything. Whereas England are in a lot more of a solid position. I know you might say we're past our peak or whatever, but ultimately we're still in a much better position. So it's like you have the choice because you're going to take the nine spot if you can get into the first team at yeah. either one. You're not going to be sat behind someone like an Aaron Smith for ages. You know, he is ready to take on the spot depending on which one he picks. It's just whoever he prefers. And hey, if he's English, even if he lives in Wales or lived in Wales... He's English at the end of the day. And he is, and he's chosen them, yeah. and he can stay at the Bristol Bears and win European Cups, etc., etc. Yeah. And then, do you think he can force his way into the the twenty three match day squads from those games, or do you think Dan Robson still's got the edge on him? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like just history with Eddie and Dan. You never know. You never know. Um, probably like Italy, obviously classic. Uh, I wouldn't surprise maybe some others, especially if Wales really are in tatters. Um, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it would be fascinating as always. Italy, it's Italy in Twickers as well, which I know we're going to get on to the. If you want to touch on it briefly, the factor of no fans again, but um, that's obviously going to be a, probably an easier game than any of the others. So you could see the likes of, like we said, Dogru and Randall feature, even if it's not starting. Should see no, some they'll, decent they'll definitely get capped, and I think it's a long term project. And I think one of the main things of Randall is getting him capped now, so then they have him. Yeah, you seen it with Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck got capped for England when he was like 20, just so Ghana couldn't take him. And mm. I'm sure he'd be loving playing an African Cup of Nations right now, but instead <laughs> he's injured up Brighton or whatever he is. Um, we kind of talked about it there, we'll just talk about Cameron Redpath because it. Moves on quite nicely. So he was one that, yeah, obviously his family are very Scottish roots. He said when he rang up his granddad and told him that he's playing for Scotland, like his granddad was nearly in tears. And he was like, great decision. <laughs> thanks so much. His dad played for Scotland, a big Scottish family. But 
he did come up the England like ladder. Like he played under twenties for England, played eighteens, nineteen. Like he was all the way up the English ladder. Eddie Jones brought him into the South Africa tour when he was still at school, just for a bit of exposure, a bit of experience. He actually roomed with James Haskell. Haskell was saying about his podcast that he didn't know his roommate. He went in and literally went. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm from school. And he went, oh, great. What are we going to talk about? And he was like, so have you got a girlfriend? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> to have that experience and stuff and then just to basically put two fingers up to Eddie and pick Scotland is I read lovely. It. But I love it. I read it. Like, I love it. I love it. You know, he's always going to choose Scotland. Like, his dad was Scotland's captain and stuff. Honestly, I think he would have had his. I think he would have had his surname ripped off him if he didn't yeah. pick Scotland. He'd be castrated from his family. Like he wouldn't be allowed to go back for Christmas or something. Like honestly. And in terms of his rugby development, he's been better off in England. Yeah. So he's and now he can bring that. To, now he can bring it to Scotland. You know, for me, like, I mean, he was always choosing Scotland. Surely, you know. Um. Yeah. But. I mean, he's a great talent. A lot of people have hyped him up. Uh, like, Ugo Monia was on the BBC News chat. Up, like, the Sport News was hyping him up a lot. And, I mean, if he if he does turn out to be the player everyone's hyping him up to be, it's a very exciting time for Scotland, you know, having Finn Russell and then him. Yeah, he said one of the main reasons was he like he's seen the Scotland squad likes of Finn Russell, Hogg. And he said he just he really wants to play with them, and he just feels they can bring the best out of him, and that's a really exciting backline. Mm. Especially when I was watching Chris Harris play against Ulster for Gloucester, he's some thirteen. He absolutely yeah. showed James Hume international quality, and I think they've got a really good backline. We'll get more we'll get onto the kind of the Six Nations preview next week as we come into the Six Nations week, but. I think Redpath have maybe pushed his way into the Scotland starting team for the Six Nations because there's yeah. no, like, who's Scotland's 12? Like, no one jumps out at you. You've had Duncan Taylor, Chris Harris, a lot of people in and out. Um, I just feel he's seen there, like, I can make that jersey mine now rather than. I think like, that's what his, I think that's his main. So, like, I think that's his, well, obviously, his, his granddad or his dad or whatever's had a massive. Um, impact on it, but you look at the twelves that England are playing currently, and you've got you know Henry Slade can play there, and Farrell's obviously playing there quite a lot. He's twenty-one at the moment. By the time Farrell falls off the boat, he's not going to be getting consistent games for England until he's like twenty-six. 27. He said he remembered going to the World Cup and was it three watching his dad play for Scotland. So like, whereas that, like you said, it's a bit like what we said with Harry Rando in the sense that that jersey's there to be taken now for in Scotland for him. Like he can go and make that his own. And if you can become a consistent feature of a national squad at the age of like 23, 24, then fair play to you. Even if it, you know, so. You know how the systems work now, Harvey? You've watched enough rugby. You know your stuff. International <laughs> rugby is a big step up. It's a big Especially when you've got all these dodgy little selections because everyone's qualified for everywhere because they've got four different distant cousins at every Back different day, Red Path could actually have played for France as well. Really? That's what I mean. Like he, you couldn't, you can go and have like a four week holiday somewhere dad, and suddenly you're eligible. Yeah. His, dad like, was, his dad yeah. was playing in France at the end of his career. And Did he get citizenship or something? So he, he was born in, he was born in France when his dad um, was playing there. And then classic, oh man, residency rules. It's a time for oh, another. It's not another as easy time. as us, like just born in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and just it's 
where we are. Well, we, yeah, we well need to be fair, I'm actually Scottish qualified. Granda is um, Granda's Scottish right now. So. Obviously, my father's Scottish, so I'm Scottish qualified as well. And it would have I mean, to that was... Be honest, I'm just a purebred. I'm just 100% English, <laughs> mate. <laughs> but I've nearly done my residency here. Done four years in England, so... Yeah, know. so you could, you could do any of them. Just tease England and then go, and then just go over <laughs> to Ireland. Just the final bit, the really exciting news. We'll always get Ulster into into a podcast, but they've signed Nakarara. Big <laughs> Fijian second row, off-loading machine, star, world-class quality. Racing where? was on the racing books. Fair play. Where? Where does that come from? That came like out of the blue. That was so, so random. That's how Ulster <laughs> That's do the, you know, This is how Ulster always do the business. They just no word about anything and then boom, out of nowhere. They've been announcing a lot of new contracts and Madigan re-signed and they've been doing good work. Really, I'm liking the look of this Ulster squad. Have you got yeah. any... I know he's like a world-class player, but I would argue that he potentially is a bit of a luxury. Would you? Do you have any concerns with Nakarawa coming in? I think the way Dan McFarlane likes to play rugby, like you've seen that try against Toulouse, probably the best try in Europe this year, in 2020, not to be biased, but he plays rugby and he fits in perfectly and if Cooney can get on the end of some of those offloads with the support lines and Balakun out wide, Little and all these exciting players, like it's bright and I feel they needed someone like that. They needed a marquee signing after Kutsia because it would have been pretty week just to I know Kutsia we kind of had a bit of a break for the pod when he left so he got away with that one because we could have done a full pod on Marcel Kutsia <laughs> I know we could have like but I do feel um you needed a big marquee sign and more than just a statement to say we're going to compete we're competing this year Europe didn't go to plan but played well in Europe got really unlucky could easily picked up 10 points ended up picking up three but a bit of a statement signing more than anything that we're here and we're going to compete. You can get Dyson yeah. and stuff. We can get Nakarara. Ah, it's it. fascinating. Like, fascinating. But sure, we'll see what happens. We will. And next week, we'll do our Six Nations preview. First few games are exciting as we touched there in Ireland and obviously Scotland, England, and France and Italy. So we'll, we'll get on to that next week. So make sure to like and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, sir.